Are you damn right. Hope everybody's having a good Wednesday. NFL championship games coming up. Longhorns get a nice win on the basketball court last night. Always football to talk about. Longhorns make it official with that wide receivers coaching position. And we will get into a whole lot more today at 1245. Longhorn fans, Aggie fans, heck, TCU fans. You just made the playoff. Let's throw you into that. We'll get, to, we'll get you the latest in the keeping up with the Joneses of college football in the crap bag today. It's Chad and Zay on this Wednesday. I'm Chad Hastings, joined once again by Isaiah Collier. What's up, Zay? I don't think Horn Frog fans are getting over that 65-7 loss still. Mm. Like it, it still has to hurt like a bad bruise That's that rough. sticks with you for months and the, months. We've all had to eat tough losses as a fan of a certain team. I don't ever remember one like that, though, in a championship <laughs> environment. You know what I mean? I could tell you about some bowl games my team has lost and, and lost convincingly, but it was never for those kind of marbles. It was never for those kind of things. Hell no. Wow. 65-7. By the way, that reminds me, I was checking out uh, the YouTube page because uh, uh, if you don't realize it, we have been on Twitch for a while, and also uh, you can go subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at the Horn Austin uh, to check out the shows. Uh, we've been going to be putting little clips on there. Our man Jacob, our digital guru, Jacob is going to be helping us out, and uh, you're going to be seeing all kinds of stuff on there. And there's a little digital short. Still on there of our man Ty Henderson, producer of B&E and self-proclaimed betting expert telling you to take TCU in the points. <laughs> Defiantly telling you and predicting. Oh, T.Y. And not just that, predicting the outright win for the Horn Frogs. Damn, T.Y. What Probably wasn't his best bet. But, you know. Probably not. I've heard him on B&E. He does well. No, he does pretty he well. Back. He does pretty well. Yeah. Does pretty well. So definitely check that out. Uh, we are on YouTube. So for those of you checking it out on YouTube, Twitch, uh, we appreciate that. Obviously, those of you that are streaming at hornfm.com, you've got the Horn app. Take us with you wherever you go. We do appreciate it. Yo, yo Chad, man, I ain't going to lie. I got to thank TCU because they were a huge help in my mind of getting A.D. Mitchell to the University of Texas. He saw that competition in the championship game and said, man, if I could do this in the SEC and I could do it to the best in the Big 12, I should be all right in the Big 12, even though the Horns will probably be there one more year. So, yeah, he saw that and said, I, I could do this against them. I'm going to be all right in the Big 12 <laughs> when I get to the 40 acres. You dig? I'll take one year of that. Yeah, I'll take one year of that. I think getting better, getting healthy. Get the stats pumped up a little bit. Yeah, and have then, my baby girl see me catch touchdowns at DKR. Yeah, and then if he wants to, I guess he could then hang around for – he's got two more years of yes. eligibility, right? So he could hang out for the first, we all hope, the first year in the SEC if they can really get that done for 2024. And then he'll get to see some of his old friends – uh, but also, you know, you'll get whatever the the scheduling Texas is going to have. Um, and of course, speaking of that wide receiver position, we'll get to that wide receivers coach for Texas. Also coming up at twelve thirty, Mel Kiper thinking like Isaiah Collier. It is happening. It is already starting to happen. So you're going to want to be around for that. But first off, let's start with this Texas basketball team. They got a nice win over Oklahoma State. 
89-75. They're now 17 and 3. They're 6 and 2 in conference play. Zay, yesterday you asked for click on all cylinders, multiple players playing well at the same time. As I'm watching this game, I thought this might be exactly what Zay was asking for. Did you get everything you wanted out of that game? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved what I saw with the Texas Longhorns men's basketball team last night at the Moody Center. Again, the Moody Center has been popping all year long. It's a huge difference. And just being a home court advantage that the Horns haven't had in a very long time. Well, maybe ever, because we know what the Irwin Center brought to the table these last decades and decades. But, yeah, like I said yesterday, you just want this chemistry to be on the up and up, especially with this very tough schedule that you got coming up. These next four games might tell what the whole season's about. It might show you what the Horns are really going to be about when March comes around, because it doesn't get much tougher tougher than the next four you got. You got college game day in Knoxville with Rick Barnes' crew. They're the best defensive team in the nation. Yeah, I saw that last night. In the nation. Uh-huh. They got shot blockers. They got guys that can move their feeds. Kai Ziggler's an absolute dog. So Rick Barnes' crew, they're pretty PO'd from how the uh, last season went for them, a second-round exit. They were looked at as a team that could have won it last year. Again, they're looked at as a team that could win it this year. So they want to invent what they looked like uh, uh, this past or last season. While the Horns, after that, it's kind of like a March Madness setup. So, in a way, it's a good thing, even though the schedule's so tough, because with those two back to back games of only two days rest, you play Tennessee on Saturday, you turn around Big Monday, and Baylor comes into town. Mm-hmm. So, if Coach Terry and the coaching staff, they got to get this team in the mindset hey, this is what the NCAA tournament is going to be like. Once you play a good team and you advance, you got another good team uh, two nights later. And you got to be prepared. They got two of those in the upcoming weeks. Uh, they got to go in Manhattan, and they go got to go to Allen Fieldhouse, Kansas State, and Kansas. The same type of thing, back to back, only a two day window. Brutal. So what we saw last night, I loved it. Marcus Carr, just uh, you can't say enough about him. What he's been doing on the court, the confidence that he has, the confidence that he brings to everybody else. I mean, just the dribble handoff threes that he takes you see the confidence there the move that he had one dribble he had a move last night I'm stuttering on my words just thinking about it because it was an amazing move and for somebody of his stature you don't see guys making a catch catching the ball taking one dribble getting to the cup and shot a nice little floater for and one Mm -hmm. like he's not Kevin Durant you see guys like KD and Giannis do that because they're so long and plus the NBA gives you an extra step they're able to get to the rim in one dribble. But for Marcus Carr to gain that much ground, it just shows the improvement that he's had year one to year two here at the University of Texas. So just that confidence. Timmy Allen, all five buckets that Timmy Allen had yesterday were all jumpers. Like, that's the confidence that he needs. That's the confidence that he has to ride with if this team wants to get to where they want to get to. When they played against Oklahoma State last time, Oklahoma State had a lot of blocks that game, 12. So you can't go inside like you did last time 
Oklahoma State is a really good defensive team, top 10 in the nation, to put 89 points on them last night. Very impressive. I thought Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen led the way, but then you got the Westlake alum, Brock Cunningham. If he's going to give you 15, if he's going to shoot the ball like that, then shout out to Coach Terry, putting them at the five, Timmy Allen at the four, Tyrese Hunter, Serge Barry Rice, Marcus Carr, those guys were the main ones to finish the game. You're starting to see different lineups depending on the matchup. I saw West Virginia. You had Christian Bishop and Dylan DeSue at the same time uh, uh, during that point in the game. Chris Beer never did that. He never had Dylan DeSue and Christian Bishop in at the same time. It drove right. me crazy. I know like, a lot. I know it drove you and a lot of Longhorn fans would notice it too. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you do that? Some of the best big men are in this league. You maybe could have done that a little bit more against Iowa State when you're playing against Osunahi, somebody like that. So – just messing with different matchups for Coach Terry, starting to figure out what fits. I thought the freshmen played well last night, even though they had limited uh, minutes. Dylan Mitchell had two nice little putback layups in the first half. Arterio Morris had a nice little drive that got him to the line and played some good D at spots. So, yeah, if everybody is clicking, like I said yesterday, with these four games that you have coming up, you need that, and that might determine what this season is really going to look like. So if you want to jump in today, the Specs text line is always there for you, 337-3776. They tell me what you think of this one. It says, I don't know what it was, but last night was the first time I felt that Terry looked like the Longhorns head coach. He looked more comfortable. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Maybe a crossroads, a kind of, a, um, you know, a crossing a boundary line kind of game, trying to take this, trying to take that role officially and, and make it feel like his own? Yeah, yeah, and they play hard for Coach Terry. That's the number one thing. They play hard for him. They're still very like enthusiastic. Everybody's into the game. Tyrese Hunter, his morale and his just upbeat energy is a lot better than what we've seen in recent weeks. He hit a big three last night, which is kind of like a, a relief for everybody. Just in clutch time, he only had five points, but that three was huge because his shot has not been falling. He's shooting in the low 20s when it comes to three-point shooting. So we he needs – crazy confidence going into this late stretch. He didn't have a cramping issue, at least uh, I didn't know he didn't. I yeah, didn't see I, no cramping issue out there for him. I was going to say, I think the most important number in this game might be his 31 minutes. Yeah. Because now his body feels feels what that's like to get there, the training staff. And we talked about it. We've tried to be as respectful as we can. It's not like anybody's ripping on Tyrese Hunter and saying he's, you know, there's any weakness to it. It's just certain guys deal with those issues more than others. He and the training staff, bravo for one night because they got that figured out. Hopefully that is not an issue moving forward because the other things, Zay, not only does that make you and Longhorn fans feel better when Tyrese Hunter goes the stretch, can go the stretch like that, how much, we've said it all year, but how much better does Carr look? When Hunter's on the floor with him. For sure. It's totally different. Totally different. And even though Tyrese Hunter hasn't been playing well as of late, teams are still focusing on him. You have to. He's just too quick. He's starting to make plays for others. We saw in the West Virginia game him making plays off the dribble, throwing those alley-oops to Christian Bishop. Uh, he had a couple of plays last night where he was making plays for others. So you need that from him. His defense was good. Marcus Carr 
you know, we talk about his scoring a lot. His defense has been solid mm-hmm. as of late. Him getting steals, uh, him and Dylan DeSue did a good job of double teaming the ball sc- or guy coming off a ball screen at the top of the key, which led to a steal, which led to a Marcus Carr layup. And Dylan DeSue, he's starting to play well on both sides of the ball. He had a huge block last night that uh, it came off as a jump ball. Great play by him. Mm-hmm. Love just the energy that he's bringing. He's starting to be more confident and not worry about getting hurt. I think last year he was in his head a little bit about, you know, how strong is my knee really? You know, is my knee back to normal? Right. Can I do what I did at Vanderbilt in the SEC and in year two here at Texas? I think he's finally comfortable and confident in this game. Solid 12 points last night. Nice little up and under layups and, you know, just middle of the key jumpers. You need everybody if you want to make a deep run in March. That's that's what we see every year. This past year with Kansas, Remy Martin came off the bench for them, gave them a huge spark. When Oshai Abaji and Christian Brown weren't moving, what Kansas do and Bill Self do? They gave it to David McCormick, and he would get you buckets. So just seeing a little bit from everybody game by game, you got to love it. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff to see here. When you look at the stat sheet, uh, every Longhorn that played – scored if things spread out a lot and back to Tyrese Hunter there was a play where he he had a guy right in his face I mean close enough to smell his breath and he was able to muscle over a pass to the right wing to Cunningham for a, what ended up being a nice wide open three and he knocked it down and so Hunter was able to kind of take that traffic and deal with it, and like you said, making other guys better, finding other shots for guys. Uh, DeSue and Allen together, 10 of 21. Uh, You mentioned Timmy Allen's shots, the five that he took. None of them were threes. He's figuring out that mid-range and where he should be shooting. None of them were layups either. Right, exactly. They were all mid-range jumpers. Oh, I love it. I love it. As an old man that's been watching a little basketball for a while, (laughs) I do love a mid-range. I love a 15- to 18-foot jumper uh, when the guys can knock him down. It helps to just fill in all those gaps when you can't be a layup and when it doesn't need to be a three. Just there's a there's a whole lot of court there that sometimes teams don't utilize. I like the way Allen thinks about that and DeSue. I thought that was pretty good minutes from Dylan Mitchell. We talked about how he was kind of invisible in the last game. He just really wasn't there much. A little more he was a little more present. Yeah. last night and overall that's a really nice performance let us know what you thought were you at the moody center last night it certainly showed up again in fact the credit i'll give texas is this this game to me it was not as defensive and ugly as game one in stillwater that was a bar fight this one was had a little higher level offensively but it still felt the same to me where oklahoma pushed it to maybe it was six or four back up to eight down to there back up to ten and the Longhorns weren't blasting them by 20, but they had firm control. There was a moment, Zay, in the second half where Oklahoma State was taking some free throws, and the Moody Center realized it could kind of take a breath, and they weren't going crazy. And I thought, you know, if you just looked at and heard that individual moment, you might think, oh, the Moody Center's not, well, maybe it's not. No, 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 no. They, they just knew their team had control. Yeah, there was a four-minute stretch in the second half where the Horns didn't make a field goal. And then Serge Abari Rice caught the ball on the wing, and he had a guy right in his face. It was so disrespectful, and he just pulled it. And I was like, oh, 
Oh, wow. What a shot. Nothing but net. Yeah. And that's just the confidence that everybody's starting to get on this squad. If Tyrese Hunter gets a little bit of more of Marcus Carr's offensive confidence, Serge Ibari Rice confidence, then this team is going to take off. But that four-minute drought, then Serge Ibari Rice hitting that three, like you said, just every time Oklahoma State would get close, Texas would strike back. And they expanded that lead then, 52-41. to 41. And at that point, it was like, okay, the horn. They got yep. this in the bag. So when you shoot 50% from the field, 61% from three, the statistic I always throw out there, if you make more free throws than the other team shoots, the Horns made 23, Oklahoma State only shot 20. That's yep. that's key to success right there. And you don't like the 18 turnovers that the Horns threw out there, but you got to understand Oklahoma State, top 10 team in defense. So right. To put up 89 on them, look at that more than look at that the turnovers. They're going to address that. But going into this four-game stretch, you've got a very good best defense in the league team with Coach Barnes, Tennessee squad. They will get after you. They're playing at home. They're going to have those fans you know, with them. Other guys got to step up. It can't just be Marcus Carr. you got to love what Brock Cunningham did last night, dealing to Sue with his 12. Got to keep that up. We will talk more basketball, obviously, on the Texas side of things as we move along. We're going to have our normal Wednesday guests coming up at 105 and 205. Justin Wells of Inside Texas at 105. Talk some Cowboys with him. He's a sad Cowboys fan like me and a lot of you this week. Uh, Chip Brown of Horns247.com at 205. We'll get his thoughts on a little NFL. But also, we'll get both of those guys' thoughts on Chris Jackson. It was made official last evening. Texas sent out the official word that Chris Jackson is no longer the receiver coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is going to be the receivers coach for Texas. We were talking about some of his connections yesterday, Zay, the, the you know California guy, and Sark had a connection with him through Modern Day, that Jeff Banks had a connection with him through Washington State, where he was a wide receiver, uh, and he did spend a little time in the NFL, also Arena League, but you brought up a little bit yesterday of what he did in Jacksonville. I think it's the and people are looking for, you know, well, what's he done? What's on the resume here? I think what he's done for those receivers in Chicago and Jacksonville, that's what you hope he can translate. If you're a Longhorn fan, he was initially in 18. He started out with the Bears. Chuck Pagano would have been the D.C. there at the time. And he helped names like – and these aren't the biggest names in the league, but he helped names like Allen Robinson get – uh, be one of the best Bears receivers, second straight season with over 100 catches. He had 1,200 yards. Darnell Moody, first 1,000-yard season um, with uh, with Jackson around. And then you've been bringing it up all season. What Christian Kirk and Zay Jones are doing in Jacksonville, both caught 80 balls or more. Only three NFL teams had that this year. Christian Kirk had 84. Zay Jones, and he's the Austin High product, right? Correct. Zay Jones. He had 82 catches. Both of those totals were in the top 10 Jacksonville single-season history uh, mark. And uh, so a lot of numbers there. Kirk over 1,100 yards, uh, 800 yards uh, plus for Zay Jones. So Chris Jackson will be the new receivers coach for Texas, and that's what you've got to hope, that the whole room develops and you start to see some of the best seasons out of these guys He's already done it at the pro level. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is a really good get. He's relatable. And when you come from the NFL like he has, like fresh out the NFL, you know what it takes to get guys there. When you come to the University of Texas, hell, if if you go D1 in general, all these guys, their expectations when they leave college 
is to go to the league. So bringing in guys that have been there and done that and have coached guys like that, they might not be household names, but they are very respectable players in the National Football League, like a Allen Robinson, like a Christian Kirk, like a Zay Jones. Like Zay Jones, he's about to get in his 30s. It's hard to be in the NFL for over three years. They call it not for long for a reason. Hmm. So guys like Xavier Worthy that are trying to get to the next level, even Jordan Winnington, I think he has a chance to uh, get to the next level depending on his health and depending on how Steve Sarkeesian and you know Quinn Ewers look with him this season. Let's get him some more touches. Not, they underutilized him this past year, but – we talked about it yesterday, and we're going to continue to talk about it. That wide receiver room, it's deep. So mm-hmm. if you're Chris Jackson, you got to be excited coming to this wide receiver room and seeing what you got you know, on the roster and then putting that on the field because there's a lot of talent at Texas. And just the wide receiver position, I'm glad Brendan Marion's moved on and at UNLV, and I hope he does well. But – they underperformed this last year, and the, the, the talent's just too good to have that happen again. Yeah, it needs to be better, obviously. Uh, it's, a, it's a passing college football. you got to be able to do it effectively, uh, and certainly the way Steve Sarkeesian wants to do it. Uh, by the way, uh, listeners always keeping us, uh, keeping us straight on the Specs text line. Burnt Orange Yeti reminding us, just to clarify, Sark didn't go to modern day, but one of his kids did. So that's part of the connection there with Chris Jackson. So thank you for clarifying that. I didn't mean to insinuate that Sark himself had gone to modern day, but there's a connection through modern day through uh, through one of the kids. So. And then the Jeff Banks connection, correct? And then there's a Jeff Banks connection. That was at Washington State, when I believe. When he was a player. When he was a player, and he would have been I, – I didn't – this is a weird connection for me because I do remember this team. When Ryan Leaf and Washington State, 97 I believe it would have been, when they went to the Rose Bowl, he was one of Ryan Leaf's big-time receivers. Huh. And Ryan Leaf in college, man. Oh, yeah, he was Woo-wee. good. We. There was a legitimate, for real, I know nobody believes it now, but <laughs> dude, that discussion about him or Peyton Manning, it was real. Yeah, it was real. There were plenty of people that do what Mel Kuyper and others do for a living, saying, I think I might go Ryan Leaf. I think that might be the way to go. I mean, Ryan could spin the ball now. I mean, Peyton's first few years in the league, there was nothing to write home about. wasn't like he was lighting it up. He threw a lot of interceptions those first few years, and... Yeah. Once they started getting guys like Edwin James and Reggie Wayne started getting more acclimated and Marvin Harrison, those connections there, that's when Peyton really took off. Yep. So yep. I got guys around him. I can't name many of Ryan Leaf's wide receivers yeah. first years in. There's that part of it, but then there's also the the demons that got Ryan Leaf. And he's been very upfront about all that stuff. But he ended up with, you know, drug and alcohol problems through the years and, and he's, you know, come out the he's come out of it clean on the other end but boy he went through some some rough times was it just the pressure that got to him i think that was part of it i mean the, the famous thing in the locker room where he's yelling at media members and stuff oh, I, that's gold yeah that's a that's one of the most famous ones out there uh but chris jackson would have been one of his receivers at washington state now longhorn fans chris jackson is your wide receivers coach the big question i would have if i'm a longhorn fan is just how's the recruiting gonna go What's it going to look like there? Feels like he's going to get you one of the big things you've needed, development in that room. We need to see that on the field. So now the added part is, okay, California guy, played in the league, arena league, not a lot of thick Texas connections. What's he going to give you there? Is he going to be able to get those good relationships going? But that's the first quote they have from him, Zay, in this the story the university put out. He's focused on the relationship with these kids. He, they asked him, why would you do this? Why would you go from the NFL to college? And that's the first thing he said. That age group 
is interesting to me. 17 to 22, very important time in their lives, and I can help develop them as players and men. That's important to me. Yeah, some guys like that teaching process. Yes. Some guys just, there's something about it. Like Nick Saban, he probably had a very tough time trying to get across those Miami Dolphins players because they got families, they grown-ass men. It's just a different type of control, different type of you know coaching style that you have to do. So Chris Jackson dealing with all these NFL players, and who knows how much you know responsibility that he had. A lot of credit went to Doug Peterson this year, especially with how bad Urban Meyer was last season. Yeah, couldn't have got worse. <laughs> it wasn't worse. getting worse. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So now him coming down to Texas, I, I, I see why he wants to come to Texas yeah. and have that whole teaching process go with these guys in the locker room, and I respect him for that. Yeah, that was uh, made official last evening by the University of Texas. So Chris Jackson in as wide receivers coach. Longhorn basketball gets that nice win, and yep, it's time for UT on UT crime. Texas at Tennessee comes up on Saturday. We'll be talking about that one as the week develops on Friday uh, at 12.30. Zay will get you the right call segment on Texas-Tennessee. Break down that matchup up for you. Up next, speaking of my co-host, Zay Collier, he threw out a crazy, insane, wacky idea yesterday. But today, Mel Kuyper thinks it's a pretty decent idea. We'll tell you what we're talking about next, plus who should be the MVP in the NFL, plus some of the other big awards. It's coming up on The Horn. Oh, man. There are very few rock bands ever that seem dorkier than me. This was one of them. Devo from the early 80s. And a video that we saw a lot. Zay, a lot. One of MTV's first? Oh, my God. Whip It by Devo. I don't know where it falls in the run of like, because August 81 is when it started. So you had Video Killed the Radio Star was number the first video ever, and then I think there's a Pat Benatar tune that gets the second spot, and then they roll from there. But this song got played a lot. When the dude took the whip and he whipped the clothes off of that girl, oh, my God. Ah. Oh, my Lord. And yeah, if you know anything about the content of this song, oh, there's some dirtiness underneath this song. Uh, you can let your mind roll on that. But Devo gets us started today. Can you see the video? The, the red, hats? The red hats. A little bit. That was their thing. They sold those hats. They're one of the first bands I remember that had like merch at the concert. I didn't go to the shows, but um, my dad being a teacher all, all those years, students would come back to school wearing the red hats, the weird Devo hats. Huh. Dude, they were super nerdy. And you talk about doing it their way. That's what I loved about Devo. I wasn't the biggest fan of Devo. Wasn't always my thing, but they did not care what you thought. They didn't care. Hey, guys, would you want to be in the rock and roll hall? Shut up. We're just doing our thing. We're just going to be who we're going to be. Talking Heads was like that and some others. Their hats look like odd doggy bowls. Yeah, exactly. Like upside down. Yeah. Right. That's a, that's a perfect uh, explanation. They remind me of what Lionel Richie said 
at his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speech where he did it that way. You talked about a rapper the other day doing it that way or some artist doing it that way where it's like, do what you do. Don't worry about what everybody thinks of you. Do what's authentic to you. Don't keep making the same record over and over again unless you want to. Yeah. And Lionel Richie said that. He's like, yeah. When he went to them with the idea for, um, uh, I guess it would have been all night long, when they had all the great, you know, the dancing in the middle and the chanting in the middle and all that kind of stuff, the African feel, the vibe to that song, he, uh, they ripped him for it, and it was like, nah, that's that's not Lionel Richie, that's not what we want. That doesn't have the you know the Commodores feel to it, whatever. Yeah, they know. want that soul Commodores. He's like, nope, this is what it is. You want it or not, this is what's going to be. That's my jam. Love that. Uh, Devo getting us started today. We hope you are having a great Wednesday. Uh, Cowboys fans still trying to process what's going on and what happens in the future. We will get to that in just a second. Also, uh, a reminder, thanks to everybody who's jumping on the uh, Specs text line already, 337-3776. What do you think of the Longhorns' new wide receivers coach? What do you think of that Texas basketball team beating Oklahoma State last night? We're already getting uh, comments there. Real quick, Zay, what do you think of this question? How close is Texas basketball to competing with Houston? One listener wants to know. Would you put them at that level yet? Yeah, there's nobody that's a clear number one team in the nation. Purdue's good, but take Zach Eady out in the game. They're limited. Everybody, they got some good shooters and all, but they don't got that Jaden Ivey, and they lost in yeah. Sweet 16 last year. So you'd say they're what, 10, 15 teams maybe that can just kind of hang out with everybody? Yes, and yeah. Texas is one of those teams. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree. I would agree. Uh, like, thank- I love Marcus Sasser. I love Walker, the freshman out of Houston. He's a stud. Kelvin Sampson, you better love him up while he's there because he's gone. NBA, here it's over. It's over for yeah. him. By the way, I, I've heard it. I thought we had fixed it. Now I'm hearing some of the national folks go back to saying Jamal Sheed. Let's, oh, uh, Shed. let's get it figured out. Shed. Shed is his name. He is a badass on one of the best teams in the country. Let's pronounce his name correctly. I know it's S-H-E-A-D, but don't be lazy. Ask, ask the young man. Ask Kelvin Sampson. It is pronounced Shed. Ask the folks out in Maynard. My wife works with his dad. She calls him <laughs> Mr. Shed every time she talks about him. Yeah, yeah. I see. Come on. You, you get confused with Houston because they don't play in a Power Six conference. They're a little bit like Gonzaga. Right, that's true. In that aspect. Like, they have a really good beginning of the season, tough schedule, but... Once it starts getting to end of December, beginning of January, February, early March, their schedule is a little weak. So that allows them to get the you know advantage at a number one seed because they don't lose that much. They don't yeah. have the power six schedule. They're not in the Big East, Big Ten, SEC, Pac-12, Big 12, ACC. They ain't in none of them conferences. I'm having a hard time thinking what conference they're in. Like, what? Are they see USA? AAC? AAC? The AAC. Yeah. Yeah. Is that them? They're in the act. Okay. They're in the act. I think you're right. All right. Uh, so we'll definitely uh, hit basketball throughout the show. Got some football to get into here. A reminder, speaking of football, once ball don't lie is done this afternoon, you got Longhorn Blitz podcast at 7, Fight Night at 8, Sports Guys Talking Wrestling at 9. Go to hornfm.com. The Fight Night guys have a little contest running for you uh, to get uh, to win some tickets to a fight that's coming to the area. So get on, uh, get on that at hornfm.com. All right, Zay. You threw the idea out yesterday. I even made a promo out of it because I like the idea so much. But uh, then today, I see, rolling through ESPN, my ESPN Plus account, 
gives me access to Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay stuff. And the headline said, Mel Kuyper latest projection, and it said Cowboys fans might like this. And I thought, well, let's see what he's got. I'll get to the top of it in a second. But at 26, it says Dallas Cowboys, B. John Robinson running back Texas. I mean, I've seen it on multiple mock drafts, so I wasn't throwing a big curveball out there yesterday. But when Mel Kuyper Jr. says it, it makes things a little tastier. I'm just saying. A little more appetizing. Yeah, his explanation right now is, this just makes sense, right? Team owner Jerry Jones loves star running backs, going back to his days of drafting Emmitt Smith in round one in 90, and he repeatedly has said Ezekiel Elliott is the Cowboys' most important player. Well, Elliott could be a salary cap casualty this offseason, and Tony Pollard, who made the Pro Bowl this season, broke his left leg in the divisional round and is a free agent. Could Jones and the Cowboys start over and take Robinson, the best back in this class here? Robinson also is a great pass catcher, so he's more than just a between-the-tackles runner. He could also take some of the pressure off quarterback Dak Prescott. I thought hard about defensive tackle with this pick with Brian Breezy, the Clemson kid, and Maisie Smith out of Michigan is possibilities. Dallas struggled at times stopping the run. But he ultimately right now likes the Bijan Robinson idea. And I don't think you're the only uh, Longhorn fan that uh, you may be the only one who's saying you'll become a Cowboys fan if they get Bijan. Oh, yeah. But you might not be the last to think that. There may be some people out there with a, I don't know, NFL team sort of feel like they're up up for grabs and if, I have no shame either if they love Bijan that much I don't care if y'all accept me or not I'm jumping on the bandwagon yeah. y'all making room for me if y'all get number five well and the most important thing there I mean clearly when you say he's more than just a between the tackles runner we obviously saw all of that when he was at Texas now will the Cowboys have the offense the coordinator and everything to put it all together I don't know I'm not sure, Uh, but I do know that if it is still Kellen Moore, if this round of interviews does not result in him being a head coach and Jerry stays with Kellen Moore, I should have said McCarthy stays with Kellen Moore, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I get you. Uh, If they stay with Kellen Moore, he does love to watch the ball fly through the air, so at least you could argue he can throw more to Bijan, maybe, than he was throwing to Pollard or or throwing to Elliott. I know he's like Pollard caught the ball a lot this year out of the backfield and did well. That's a big part of the reason why he's going to the Pro Bowl. So that's going. Yeah, maybe that's kind of the replacement. You can you still gotta have that element of it. Uh, that'd be a wild idea for the Cowboys. I'd I'd love to see it. Financially it makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. I think I Tony Pollard, appreciate what you did, but see you later. With you and that injury and the money that you're probably going to be asking for as a Pro Bowl running back, you don't want to get into that situation that you got into with Zeke. Now, Zeke, he's doing the good job on his part for asking for less money and trying to negotiate a deal to make him stay in the D, but... It's uh, it's Jerry's decision, and we know Jerry loves some Ezekiel Elliott. Yes, he does. Smart thing to do with him, get rid of him too. Mm. But the scary thing about Bijan Robinson is somebody willing to take a chance on him earlier than the twenty six pick. Yeah, that was what that's what would scare me as a Cowboys fan. That's what because I he's that good. 
Yeah. Like this is a once in a decade running back you got here that could do so many things for our offense. He gets those Saquon, Christian McCaffrey comparisons for a reason, especially how you see him in the NFL. You look at what Kyle Shanahan does with Christian McCaffrey. Sometimes he plays as a wide receiver. Sometimes he's in the backfield. A little bit of mixture of all that all together. I expect B. John Robinson to be the same thing, if not more. So, yeah, I... Can the Cowboys afford to wait that long to 26? Or are the Cowboys willing to make some moves and try to negotiate uh, the draft to allow them to get an earlier pick? I don't know. Is Bijan worth that with the way the NFL yeah, now, looks at running backs? I don't know either. Do you go up for a running back it's, there? It's a tough yeah. decision. All right, so here's a couple teams right before them. 25 is New York, the Giants. They don't need Bijan. 24 is Jacksonville. I don't know. They might be done with Saquon Barkley. 24 is Jacksonville. Travis Etienne, enough to keep yes. Bijan away? Yeah. Minnesota. They got Cook uh, at 23. 22 is Baltimore. That's interesting. Yeah. That that may be a danger spot if you're looking for somebody that, uh, that could swoop in there. Chargers at 21. Maybe. No, I don't think so. Austin Eckler had a really good season. He, Eckler is still really good. Seattle's at 20, and they just got Walker. So there's some there's some teams there that don't seem to need a ton of running back help immediately. Maybe that could help the Cowboys at 26. Uh, real quick before the break, Zay, give me your MVP thought. Finalists for the MVP are Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes. Throwing in one receiver there. Who's your MVP? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Going Mahomes. Yeah, I'm going Patrick Mahomes. 41 touchdowns during the regular season. We all thought without Tyreek Hill, what's he going to be? And he might have had his best season yet, just throwing it to everybody. He told us he was going to do this. They asked him early in the year, yep. yo, you ain't got Tyreek Hill no more. Uh, he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. What you going to do? And he says, I'm going to throw it to everybody. I'm going to see everybody. Yeah, and yeah. Travis Kelsey's going to get the ball that much more because mm-hmm. he's unstoppable and their chemistry is immaculate. So if Justin, I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts, if he didn't get hurt, it seemed like it was his to lose. But that injury, him missing right. those games, and then him not playing well in Week 18 – that hurt his chances. He's going to be the runner-up, but you got to give it to the Texan, Patrick Mahomes. I say give it to whoever wins on Sunday. <laughs> Assuming Mahomes is healthy, if he can get close to 100, let's go Bur- the winner of Burrow-Mahomes. I can make an argument for Burrow, Hurts, and Mahomes. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd go with Josh Allen. I don't think I'd go with Justin Jefferson. I, think I can make an argue for, argument for all three of those quarterbacks. The Bengals. But you're right about the injury with Hurts. Yeah, the Bengals, they're riding now 11-12 game winning streak that they got now. But you remember early in the season when the Cowboys were beating them and stuff, they did not look good. That's they, true. They didn't. They were still having those offensive line problems. That, so you're saying full year, it's Mahomes. Full year, it's Mahomes. Yeah. If we were talking in the last part of the season, Probably Burrow. Yeah, I think you might be right. That's that's a good point because they did. It is a full season award. So we got some other award finalist lists that we'll go through as the show continues. Coming up at one hundred five, Justin Wells. Coming up at one thirty today, Zay got us a special interview with one of the best basketball coaches in the area, with one of the best teams in the area right now, if not the best. Those Stony Point Tigers are undefeated in district play. They handled Vandergriff last night. We're talking to their head coach Antoine Thompson in the flex segment today at. 1.30, so make sure you're around for that, especially if you love yourself some Stony Point. Up next in the crab bag, we are trying to keep up with the Joneses, Longhorn fans. And by that, I mean Saban. Pay attention. Aggie fans, you might want to listen too. This is the Horn.
Hmm. I feel like you might have played this before. I know. Sounds familiar to me. And I know you didn't get it. Didn't get it that time. Denim and Leather, I think is the name of the song, right? This is Saxon, isn't there it? There it is. There we go. Okay. All right. There we go. Finally got a metal one. I think I was on like an 0 for 4 run there on metal songs. Saxon and Devo, who I'm certain never toured together. But man, would I love to have a beverage with some of those fans and see what that conversation would be like. Maybe not as good as the Public Enemy and Anthrax shows, but Devo and Saxon would have been pretty damn funny. That would have been good. All right, so Saxon cranked up for you on a Wednesday. A lot of football on the board, obviously. Mel Kuyper thinking along Zay's lines and some others that think B. John Robinson might be a good pick for some, obviously a good pick for somebody in the maybe later part of the first round of the draft when you get into the 20 some odd picks. But go look at those teams. We were just digging through some of them. There's teams in the 20s that I would argue do not need a running back. They're kind of set there. They know who their guy is unless you want to bring in Bijan to bolster the room and you really want to turn yourself into a, a run team even more. Uh, Cowboys at 26 may have that opportunity. Oh, what would Longhorn fans do if the if Jerry stares right at Bijan and then keeps on walking? That would be crazy. It would make sense. On draft night. No, that would be Jerry. It would be very Jerry because he, he would tell you, I am sticking with Zeke. I love him so oh, much. Man. We're going to figure out how to make it work. Uh, we'll see what happens in April when we get to draft time. Up next at 105, it's Justin Wells of Inside Texas. His thoughts on the Cowboys losing to the Niners and what happens next. What would he change if I could have him sign for all four coming back? Coach, OCDC, and Dak, would he take it or not? And then we'll ask him about Texas' new wide receivers coach, Chris Jackson. What is he hearing? Right now, though, in the crap bag, I'm going to make sure everybody around these parts knows what's going on in T-Town because that is kind of where you need to be looking, especially when it comes to NIL. Here we go. Chad's crap bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just think of a bag of crap. It's brought to you by AV Consultations. 255-8678 or go to avconsultations.com. Do not let Nick Saban fool you, Longhorn fans, Aggie fans, fans of anybody else out there. Don't let that little thing with Jimbo make you think he is old school and behind the times and just doesn't get it. Because Bama's always going to be on the leading edge of this stuff. And an article came out this week. I'm reading from an SI article that came out. Ross Dellinger put it out. Learfield. Yes, the big communications company and sports marketing giant. They broadcast Longhorn Games. They're associated with like 100 different teams. They now have a new 15-year agreement with Alabama that they announced this week in conjunction with the university. They're creating a dedicated hub for name, image, and likeness called the Advantage Center. They're referring to it as an epicenter for Crimson Tide Athletics NIL endeavors that the company believes is a first nationally. That's right. Nobody else is doing this right now. So pay attention, Longhorn fans. The Advantage Center, goal of opening this calendar year, will be located inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. It will double as the agency's local office, according to the Learfield CEO. So this is a collaboration between Bama and Learfield. It will provide both a physical home and a staff to educate athletes on NIL opportunities and showcase successful local and national NIL-related relationships. They've thrown renderings out here, Zay and all you Longhorn fans. In those renderings, 
The Advantage Center is expected to include a host of NIL-related features, a digital ticker announcing the latest news in athlete deals, a studio with a green screen to provide athletes a place to shoot NIL-related videos, a wall dedicated to Alabama player NIL deals and opportunities, and a meeting space to possibly help facilitate, I love how they said possibly, help facilitate brand and athlete relationships. It will also be located adjacent to The Authentic, which is Alabama's Fanatics retail store that provides NIL opportunities through branded, licensed merchandise. So just to make sure everybody's up to date on this, yeah, Bama's still out in front in a lot of ways. So when Nick, whatever Nick Saban meant when he said Jimbo bought all the players and whatever Jimbo thought he meant by bought all the players and whatever all that chatter was. And when Nick Saban says, we just need guardrails, I don't understand how this is all going to work. And people want to make arguments about how Alabama doesn't have the money and Alabama doesn't have the, re- the support of big money boosters. I will be willing to admit that when Bama hits the button, maybe they can't generate in one day what a Texas or an A&M, or a Michigan, or a USC might be able to generate. But please don't tell me y'all are not paying attention to this kind of stuff. Because, Zay, this is the cutting edge. They're leading at, they've been leading on so many different things. Social media, the facilities themselves. But now they're putting the NIL stuff right there inside the stadium. This is what they're going to be showing players on recruiting trips in the next year. They've already started. Texas, have you already started? A&M, have you already started? I'm reading Clemson has a couple ideas in place that might be along these lines. Everybody else better pay attention, though. All you big dogs, all you blue bloods, pay attention because Nick is not stopping. Nick did not hear David, uh, what's his name? I want to call him David Green. Uh, uh, What's the guy's name on ESPN? Played at Georgia. David, 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 uh, can't think of his name. Pollock. There it is. He did not hear David Pollock say Georgia has passed him and then get depressed and walk away. Nick's not taking that lying down. So I'm just letting everybody know. Yeah, yeah. One thing that the great Steve Sarkeesian said that I agree with, there's a reason why dinosaurs are extinct. You got to be able to adapt. And Nick Saban, he understands that. He understands what Georgia has done these last two years. And I know that irks him. That irks the hell out of him because Kirby Smart Mm -hmm. was one of his guys. So now everybody's saying Georgia has taken that step and they have overcame Alabama. So what do you have to do? You have to figure out ways that you could get that power back. And it's things like this that shows why Nick Saban's one of the best, his just ability to adapt. Even though what he said about Jimbo and their little riff, like, Nick, you have no nerve saying that because you know you do the same thing and you are doing it and then right. some. Yeah, so that's the that's the part of that I think that's important here. And, again, like, I'll give you the example. So, um, like, over in College Station at one of their big stores, they do have a little section off to the side that is devoted to NIL, one of those newer things that's come along. But what this is is in the stadium – and associated with Fanatics. This isn't on a local level. That's a national brand. Fanatics, you know, with Aaron Andrews and all the clothes, college pro and all that. So they'll have a Fanatics store right there in Bryant-Denny with the NIL stuff. And if I'm that prospective athlete walking through, I see that. And then I see this ticker that's running on the top of the of the ceiling. You know, not the ceiling, but like Times Square style. 
that'll say, this Alabama player got this deal. This guy got this deal. They're gonna <laughs> yeah, put like it, Wall Street. They're going to put it on the wall for me, Zay. They're going to put it on the wall and say, hey, you want to know what you could get? Just start reading. Just start reading. And that's where, again, you got to push all that stuff aside that Saban's talking about because it's all semantics on do you believe it's used as incentive or not. Nick is saying, Nick would say, oh, come on, we don't show them all that stuff until they're actually on campus. We all know that's crap. Yeah. But it doesn't even matter. We all know how it works, and that's what they're going to be shown. So to the biggest of big dogs, just know what Nick's doing, man. It's uh, These renderings are impressive, and uh, they're going to they're be getting it done in T-Town very quick. So I think Texas, and heck, Texas, A&M, Clemson, some of these big schools, Ohio State, Michigan, they're already getting some stuff going. I'm not saying they don't care about NIL, but at this level, I'm not sure. Yeah, and you got to understand there's rules for NIL that are different in each state. So you got to take mm-hmm. advantage of whatever the state allows you to do. And, you know, Oregon, they have different rules from Texas. You know, Phil Knight, he could be involved a lot up there. Texas, they don't have that luxury, which is why they had to do the collective thing. And they got their own little, what, what was it called? Texas One Fun? I, don't, I think I'm botching that. Uh, yeah, I think that's... The new thing that it just popped up this year. I think you're right. Something like that. Something Texas like that. One Y'all know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you just got to figure out ways that's going to benefit your your school your university and this is a way that alabama's taking advantage no doubt by the way i'm glad you brought that up i have here the alabama state law on nil uh rule one ask nick (laughs) rule two there is no rule two Oh, yeah. Nick he, Saban runs the show. There. Oh, he's bigger than the governor. It ain't even close. <laughs> he definitely is. It's not even close. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. You'll start to see, I'm sure, videos and stuff. When that place is done, and hey, it's all a part of the arms race, right? It's locker rooms and it's all that. But now the NIL element is going to become even more a part of it. How do they keep helping these guys uh, maximize NIL potential? Keep your eyes peeled for that. Crap bag every day at 1245 with whatever's rolling around in my head. Tomorrow, I'm going to dig into Jerry. Jones as an 80-year-old GM. How unique is that in the NFL? We'll get to that tomorrow. Up next, little cowboy talk and some Longhorn stuff with Justin Wells of Inside Texas. Don't move. It is Wednesday, and this is The Horn.